Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, we're coming to a close on this long series that's been going on for uh, several months. I started this right after the first of the year. And it's about how we respond to the times that we're living in. And it's funny how the what's going on in society is tracking so closely, actually, to even uh, what the Holy Spirit's leading us through with these teachings and everything. And I've been talking about, uh, last week I talked about what happened with Paul and Silas in prison from, from Acts 16 and, and about them praying the word and how, how deeply important it is and about preaching the gospel to yourself through the word and how deeply, deeply important that is. Listen, you've got to be your best preacher. You have to be, even though you can listen to other really good people and, and listen to me on Sunday mornings and listen to people online, you have to be the best preacher to your soul and you have to preach the gospel Therefore, it is incumbent upon you to know the gospel. You can't preach the word if you're not aware of the word and know the word and taking scriptures and, and uh, deeply preaching it to yourself. And so I put that up there and then put God's word is. In knowing the word and preaching the word, you can just take it, just lift it right up out of out of the Bible, you know, what, what do you mean by preaching to yourself? Say it out loud to yourself. Say, Lloyd, be strengthened with all might in the inner man and start quoting and reading Ephesians 3 to yourself. Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That means it guides me, it directs me, I can see the way ahead, especially when you get scared. We're in scary times. I, it's, it's wrong to say, ah, this is, this is the weirdest I've ever lived. It, it's just strange. And the, and the fight's coming to us. And it's a fight of convictions. Um, we can't stand on moralism. That won't do any good, but moralism is the attack that's coming. Because they're, they're not going to attack God. They're going to attack moral stances around God. So how do you battle that? With God's word. And, but the battle is here, not them. The battle is inside your own heart of knowing the difference between right and wrong, God and godlessness, and being able to preach that to yourself. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. When I'm immersed in the word and I start preaching and become a gospel preacher to myself, I start hearing it. There's some connection. I don't, it's like a, a mystery thing because it's deeply spiritual. But there is a connection between saying it out loud. I don't think when the, in the beginning of time, and I don't know because I wasn't been there, but I'm going to find out just like all of you, when God spoke things into being 
I don't think there was, uh, let me think about this for a minute. mountains. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, it wasn't a contemplation. Let there be light. And light was. And it was, uh, you don't have to yell at yourself, but there, this isn't uh, some milk toast soft thing. We're going to be required to have strength in the coming days. We will need the word of God in a strong way to ourselves. And like I said, moralism isn't an answer, but moralism is what's going to, the moralistic argument is what's going to be taught. So what's the answer? Spiritualism. Knowing God's word, understanding it, understanding who God is, what's his character and nature. Because we have to remember, it's not an us and them in the sense of they are our enemies, and even if they are the enemies of God, do you know what he did with his enemies? While they were yet sinners, while they were yet enemies, he did what? Gave his life. So that has to be our eager knowing the gospel message response in our, in our own heart hearts. Last week I, I used that story of Psalm 16 and I hope you're able to read it this week but I want to highlight one verse again because it has to do with the second part. If prayer was that important the second part is this in Acts 16 it says they're in prison but at midnight, midnight now how did they know it was midnight because it's so dark in that cave that they were thrown into the jail cell, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So they were singing, you know, they weren't like, hey, let's not wake everybody up here. Near my God to thee. You know, they're singing out loud, loud enough so everybody else can, can hear them. So what do we gain? What do we pull away from that in what we're doing today? There is an importance of singing songs, and not just songs, but of singing and worship in the exercise of our faith. Ephesians 5.19 says, we are to speak to one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what are the traditions with that? What does it mean when it says, you know, psalms, and we know what those are, and hymns and spiritual songs? Because you have to remember, when Ephesians was written, there, there was not a hymnal. Do y'all remember what a hymnal is? It's, it's a book that has hymns in it, thus hymnal. Um, and, and the songs, and so I think with our church traditions, we have kind of a funny, because like I didn't, you know, for me, not having grown up in the church and then going back to church and watching people, when I first went back, there were, there were some places that visited and what I was aware of in like the, I won't name the denomination for for sake of not putting anybody in a box. But like what I knew of in, in singing hymns 
when I was a teenager sounded like themes of depression to me. You know, it was the pipe organ, and it was was like, uh, you know, give me that old-time rock and roll. Uh, You know, I just, I couldn't get there. And so when we think of hymns, we don't you tend to think of those kind of things? We sang a hymn this morning, an old hymn. But actually, when they said hymns, that isn't what they were talking about. Not the hymns that we know of today. And first of all, Paul and Silas were probably singing the Psalms because they knew them. And so there's a tradition with the Psalms in which singing, and a particular type of singing, I'm going to do that and explain that. But this is something that we can still reach back through the generations and lay our hands on it and exclaim with our voices over it. There's a reason that Paul and Silas were singing and it wasn't to pass the time. Boy, it's really gloomy here in this jail cell. You know, I hear the train coming, you know. They were not stuck in Folsom prison. They were in prison. They thought they were going to lose their life. They'd been stripped and beat. They were in pain. They'd been stripped of their clothing and beaten with rods. Can you imagine laying there in the dark with bruises? And then start singing and singing probably the Psalms. Why would they do that? Because that was their traditions. That went back years and years clear back to the time of Ezra is where they believe it started to happen where they started singing psalms so a favorite one was psalm 77 which said this I will remember the works of the Lord see they started singing truth surely I will remember your wonders of old why because I'm in a particular circumstance today that I really need to remember who and what you're like. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Now, did they do this exact psalm? No, I wasn't there, but this is one that was normally sung in a particular manner to proclaim that they would have understood and they would have known. They would have known the melody to it, but it really wasn't a melody, and I'll get to that in a minute. Here was another one. Psalm 111. This is the whole psalm. Listen to this. Praise the Lord. Now in Hebrew, what they would have said is, Hallelujah. That's what, praise to God. That's what hallelujah means. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Can you imagine Paul and Silas looking at each other? That was the congregation, a bunch of prisoners who were all sore from being beaten. The works of the Lord are great. Studied by all who have pleasure in them. 
His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He has declared to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. Wow, do you need to hear that in a prison cell? He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments, whose his praise endures forever. This would have been a type of music, of psalm that they would have been singing at midnight. Probably even better. They just get better all the time. The Psalms don't ever get bad. You know, they get a little whiny at times, but they never get bad. Psalm 118. The Lord is my strength and song. It's the tower, the power of song. And he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live. Can you imagine being all bruised up and going, nope, they beat me with a rod and I'm still going to live and I will proclaim God. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now it's interesting because we don't have a lot of understanding of how they would have sung that. And today we have a tendency to think that a spiritual song, uh, and it is, and, that's, and it's not wrong, but that a spiritual song is like, it's when we do the like, impromptu singing with one another and that's called a spiritual song that was not a spiritual song back then though they may have used it some um, it actually uh, to do it so to like to sing a hymn or a spiritual song uh, is more aligned with what we would have called as an ode you know ode to a kitty cat uh, you know, we, we've made ode mean something less, but an ode to them meant that you used music to help pay homage to God. Uh, something that showed uh, respect and celebrated who God was. And it literally, the ode meant, to, and this is a very, very old word. Ode is an extremely old old word if you look in the English language and it means to chant ode it means to chant um, it, it, uh, generally it's sung but it's a, it's a special uh, almost uh, we would call it religious today uh, you can get songs of where they have priests 
uh, doing chants and Gregorian chants are a particular type of that that grew from the tradition of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't it interesting that it started actually in the time of Ezra when the temple was rebuilt. So Jerusalem been turned over to whoever, heathens, and when Ezra gets permission to go back and build the temple, the city's busy and nobody knows him. So guess what he starts doing? He starts going down to the city square. Now remember, he's got it memorized and meditating in his heart. And he starts chanting so that people will listen to him. He starts going through, Oh, that God is good. And there, and, you know, everybody's going, what? Who, you know, who's that? What, what's he saying? He's singing. Has he been drinking? You know, they're, probably, they're wondering what's going on. But he did that on purpose. And then we get this tradition going clear up to the time of Paul and Silas in a prison cell, chanting, singing praise to God. Not because of what had happened, well, maybe because they counted them, that God would count them worthy to let it happen, but because it happened, and then they knew there's power in this. Um, in the Latin, uh, doing that is actually called a cantillation. Uh, it's the practice of chanting the biblical uh, canon or the, the scriptures and stuff. Um, it has a Yiddish word too. A Yiddish word is called lean. And uh, in, in that it goes back so far, it's different than our, you know, than our traditions of what we think of as hymns. We, we do these long, you know, and they did that. They wrote those out to be doctrinally correct. The earliest known written uh, hymn that we have is probably from around the 7th or 8th century. Uh, you, it's still sung today. Be thou my vision. Do you hear how they would have been chanting it? But now it's a little more mel melodic than it probably originally started. But that's one of the oldest hymns that we have in our traditions, you know. I mean, I love the newer, would have been modern traditions, you know, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, you know. Uh, another one, and uh, if you've ever seen this and wondered what that meant, it's ubi caritas, which is Latin, and uh, it actually means where charity is. And they would have done it just before Good Friday services. It's uh, mostly associated with a thing called Monday, Thursday. And it's about doing the charitable works of the Lord. And that's one of the oldest hymns that we have. So that was just for your benefit. What do we gain from this? What does that mean today? How do, how do we bring this forward? You know, what do we gain from those traditions? Well, we take away this. You look at Acts 16. And it says, they deeply believed that it was powerful. We need to embrace it in again and the scriptures and singing them again in a way that we deem it extremely powerful. Not lighthearted. 
Um, Another thing that it is, is they believed that it was an exercise of spiritual warfare. We've taught so much in the charismatic church about spiritual warfare, but actually what they considered was the highest act of spiritual warfare was to do what Paul and Silas were doing at midnight, and that was to start singing to God. They deeply believed that the Spirit of God heard, recognized, and interacted with them when it was practiced. So it wasn't just like, I'm bored, I'm hurting, my body hurts, let's sing. They weren't doing that. They believed that they were interacting with the Holy Spirit and that he was hearing the words that they were saying and that with it, that their hearts would be lifted up and filled. They would actually be strengthened in such a deep way. So, like, I, the purpose, one of the main purposes of us getting together on a Sunday morning is to do exactly that, understanding that the Spirit wants to interact with us in that sort of deep way. In the coming days, beloved you are going to need the song of the Lord. It's getting weird. And I'm not trying to scare anybody or scare our kids or anything. It's getting strange within our land and within the earth. Are we just more aware of it today? Probably there's some of that. But listen, we have to bring the power of song back into our lives on a on a on a daily basis, where do I start? Start singing the Psalms throughout the week. Um, one of the greatest, I'm sorry, this is really small, but I wanted to get it all up there. <sighs> Can you read it? These are called the Songs of Ascent. That's because they were sung during feast times as they brought up water from the lower part of Jerusalem up to where the Temple Mount was. And so they they were, uh, and they would be sung by people who were going there on pilgrimage. And even in the New Covenant, the same thing was still done. After, After Christianity took hold, they would still use these. Uh, Jerusalem being built on a hilltop and they would lift, even one of those psalms says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And each of these uh, 15 psalms uh, were written either by King David or David's son Solomon, who wrote Psalm 127. Um, the others aren't mentioned in the Bible, but these were, they would have been the patriarchs that they looked to. And uh, I'll quickly, Psalm 120 is a cry of distress to the Lord. So it starts like that. Someone who suffered greatly. I could see Paul and Silas chanting this psalm. Psalm 121 is a song of praise to the true God who helps and protects us. Psalm 122 sings of the joy that the Israelites had in the city of Jerusalem, seeing what God had given them as a dwelling place. Psalm 123 were cries for the mercy of God. Be merciful to me, O God. 
Psalm 124 tells the story of how God saved his people from destruction. It starts telling out how great God is. Psalm 125 is about dwelling in the peace of God. Psalm 126 predicts the future of Jerusalem, the city, and how God's people will be gathered there. How do we do that today? We are Jerusalem today. We, when we sing for the, that peace, of the, you are the temple. You are the temple of God. Just uh, read the book of Romans. Psalm 127 is a reminder that without God, we can do nothing. Psalm 128 speaks of the importance of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 129 is a song of victory over all of Israel's enemies, all of our enemies. Psalm 130 is about our hope in the Lord. Psalm 131 reminds us to wait on the Lord and places our hopes on Him. Psalm 132 tells of the importance of the dwelling place of God. You're important to God. Psalm 133 is a joyful song about the power of unity among God's people. Can you imagine what it was like for Paul and Silas to look at each other, or try and look at each other? They're in the dark and believing everything that they preached. And I think they probably sang right to each other's hearts. I don't, I don't know because I wasn't there, but it's what I picture when I think of them. Psalm 134 is a worship song about the certainty that we have in the Lord and the power of his word. His word is powerful. We are going to so have to depend on that in the coming times. And this is how, you know, why do this? It exercises our faith. Our faith actually increases as we hear ourselves do it. Um, the next thing is really important is this. Here's what Paul and Silas, they were praying a song of deliverance. They had no idea it would create an earthquake. You talk about a powerful song and an earthquake and all the chains fell off, all their, all their bondages fell off. That's thing, I mean... That's got some get to it. That's got some power to it. And I don't necessarily mean loud, but it's got power because it's a song of deliverance. We are going to need to know songs of deliverance. Psalm 32 verse 5 says this. I acknowledge my sin to you. Haven't you? You... If, if you have, you're not really a believer yet. I acknowledged I sinned and now God came in and I've repented and I have metamorphosed into something else because of that, because his life came into me. And my iniquity, I've not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And look at this. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Oh God, you are my forgiveness. And it says to think, Selah, it means to think on those things or meditate. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Here's what I'm going to tell you about what's going on in our land today. God is here to be found. God is here 
to be found. The gospel will never be more important than it is right now. In our time, surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. When do I sing those songs? When things seem like a wreck, when you can't get your emotions squared away, and all you want to do is cry and wish you had your mommy on Mother's Day. When you're facing health issues, when it doesn't look like there's a way forward and what the doctors have said is devastating. That's the time when you start singing a song of deliverance. When the people rise up and imagine a vain thing and march against truth and pull down the things that we know and hold as right and good. It is not wrong to see things as right and good. It is very godly to do that. Psalm 17, verse 8 says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Such symbolic language. Psalm 27, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, and he shall set me high upon a rock. I am both hidden and exalted. The power of our song and singing and it's not for just when we're alone. It applies, actually is more applicable to when we're doing this, when we're together. And when you have people over to your house. And when, when you have that, when, there's, when there can be the song of the Lord in your midst. I want to close with this. You know, and maybe I have the worship team come on back up and we're going to close with the good song. I don't know which one. They'll decide. <laughs> Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing <clears throat> excuse me. Teaching and admonishing one another. Listen how. In what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we sing together, we're actually teaching each other. Admonish is a strong word. That means to like, hey, straighten up, buck up. No, it's a, it's an encouragement. When we sing, it's to be an encouragement to one another. So we're supposed to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. With grace in our hearts. You know, it's really, and you could get goofy with it. But really, it's this, if you can just picture it yourself. The Lord our God in the midst of you is mighty, is mighty. That's what we're doing. When I'm lifting my voice up, I'm going to another saint and saying, no, he's just you. He's strengthening you right now. He's healing you right now. 
We're singing that to one another. How important is it to sing? Just as important as prayer. Because it, do, it does something in the... It, I don't know, maybe you have had this or you, you've never had this. Have you ever had somebody just sing a song to you? Like in a living room or a house or... Maybe from the stage at some point in time, somebody sang the song to you or, or they sent you something off YouTube or they sent you something off iTunes or whatever you get, wherever you get your music today and just go, hey, I was thinking about you today and this is, I want you to know this is how I think about you. Um, it doesn't always have to be a psalm or a hymn, but oh my gosh. Um, it's embarrassing, but I love to be sung to. Um, I've had my, uh, they're actually here, I've had my neighbor's kids who've written songs just sit down and say, you know, and Americans aren't comfortable with this. Give us that song you wrote. It's scary to do, but the, the twins have sang to us and shared their songs both both Gabby and Micah have profound songs songs of depth and meaning and life and God and reality the Irish have this really down they go to a pub which is that's not a tavern like America a pub is a public house and they're probably drinking a Guinness or something but you'll just all, you'll be in there and all of a sudden one of them just gets, starts singing, you know? And everybody gets around and go, oh. And they get done, if it's good, they go, give us that song again, sing it again. This is important to our lives. Really important. The hymns and the traditions and the songs of old are really important for us because we learn from each other in doing that. We learn what to know and what to believe in. As much as you believe in the Lord, God believes in you more because His Son lives in you because He believes in His Son. He believes in Christ in you. Paul called it the hope of glory. Here we are in a time where it feels like everything's coming undone and we're more tied up and done than we've ever been. We've got to sing it to ourselves and to each other, yes?